Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, this morning my heart's uh, concern is for teachers, administrators this time of year. They're working harder than they've ever worked. And I just pray that they'll know that in their own weakness, you're strong. You specialize in working through our own weakness. So be with the teachers, administrators this month to help them finish. Heavenly Father, be with families that are grieving right now. Be with the Pitts family, the loss of their beloved father, Terry, last week. Please uh, strengthen their hearts and strengthen their family. Father, be with uh, Gammy down in Mexico, getting alternative care for his stage four cancer. And be with Kathy Ng in our community, who's fighting it as well. Uh, Folks are in some scary places, and we just pray that your love would be poured into their hearts. And uh, in a season of difficulty, they would experience great gratitude and even joy and peace that maybe is really hard to find today. Thank you for this morning. Jesus, we just invite you. We know you're here. We just want you to make yourself really known to us. Speak through me. Speak through uh, the Holy Spirit and through one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Great to see you. As you're seated, turn around and say, how you doing? (laughs) Hey, how many of you have ever left one of these in the back of your car? You've left one of these Coke cans, Diet Coke, whatever your preference is, in the back of your car... In the middle of a hot day, summer, and after a solid season, you go to the back of your car and all of a sudden you have syrup everywhere because this is what happens. It blows up. It can't handle the heat anymore and it's got to do something with what's inside. It just, it just kind of makes a mess of your car. And you get all frustrated. Why does God not like me anymore? Why would he do this? And he says, don't leave a full can in the back of your car. You get frustrated. But here's the deal. The can that explodes in the back of a hot car is kind of illustrative of what happens to all of us. We all reach a tipping point. We all reach a ceiling of stress. We all reach a moment when we can't handle the heat anymore. We're ready. It's 80 degrees. We're turning the AC on in our house. We, we reach this point uh, where we can explode, right? And something comes out of this. When we reach our tipping point, something comes out of this. What comes out of you when you kind of like, what comes out of you? The scripture teaches that out of the abundance of the heart, the tongue speaketh. And so when you're really, when when the heart is doing well, what comes out is pure, pure water. When the heart's not doing well, what comes out is Diet Coke. It's just not that good for you, right? (laughs) How many of you are at this rank? I don't even do those anymore. That's in the past. Okay, just three of us. What comes out? How do you deal when you reach a a tipping point, when you're stressed? What comes out when you've had a super, super hard day? What we know statistically is that when when we're going through a tough season and we have a Coke explosion, medical studies indicate that people who have an attitude of gratitude and generosity, people that are 
are not uh, them people that have a gracious and th- ingracious sort of a um, covetous, ingracious, discontent attitude, that those people are healthy. This is what we know about them. People who have this attitude of gratitude and generosity are more resistant to disease, getting ill, and live longer than ungrateful people. Okay? So being a grateful person is a win for you no matter what. In fact, I've mentioned that Harvard study that came out last fall that just said folks that want to be healthy need to say thank you uh, six times a day. Check me on that. Staying th- How many of you like to be around someone that's thankful? How many of you are drawn to someone who always feels like they have plenty? They don't covet what others. Like being around those, always grateful for what they've been given. Like being around those kind of people. And yet, don't we live in a culture where we're always thinking, boy, I sure wish I was on that vacation. Boy, I wish I was on that flight. I wish I was enjoying that beverage there. Or boy, I sure wish I had that house (laughs) or that kitchen. Boy, it'd be nice if I drove that car. Oh, I'd love the leather in that car. I like the leather in my car, but it's a, it's a 95. I'm ready to upgrade. Always wanting to be someplace else or have something else. Boy, I'd really like, I'd sure like to have that husband. I'm stuck with this one. <laughs> Boy, that must be good living for, for her. Boy, I'd like to look like that. Boy, she just got, she just was born with that body. She couldn't gain weight if she tried. <laughs> or boy, he just built like that. It's just a gift. He doesn't even eat. He couldn't gain weight if he wanted to. Or he's just fast. He's just a great athlete. God didn't give me that. Tempting to to move into that attitude of discontentment. How would you like to see an example of someone who had a super bad day? And I'm totally understating. I'm talking about bad day to to the 10th degree. I mean like a horrible day. And how God used their reaction to really move the ball forward for them. Bad day turned good day. How many of you would like to learn a tool that I think can move you out of the prison of discontentment, of fear, of bitterness, of covetousness? If I could tell you there's one tool for you to practice that would help move the ball for you in every area of your life related to... Gratitude related to generosity. Would you be interested? I mean, one thing you can start doing that'll make a big difference. Would you say, yes, tell me that? What if I could do it in just a few minutes? Would you be more interested? I can't promise that. Here we go. What is the power and practice of gratitude? Here's the narrative. It comes from Jesus, I think, most effective missionary in the first century, ambassador, Paul, who's experiencing a very bad day, he and his team member have been arrested in Philippi, which is a former Roman colony. And they've been arrested because they started teaching about Jesus and it was impacting the idol market, literally the idol market. Here it is. When I get to the red, would you join in with me? There's only a few. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods after they had been severely flogged. They were thrown in prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Let's just pause 
to look at this. First, total, total undignifying experience. They were stripped. No one wants to be stripped. And then they were beaten with rods. And then they were severely flogged. Do you know what being severely flogged means? It means they use an apparatus, a whip, that literally shreds your skin. Is that enough information? It's awful. I mean, it's awful. Paul had this done, I think, on, on uh, five different occasions, three or five. So these guys are literally in the ICU after this event. I mean, this is brutal. They're flogged for what they did. And uh, they're given a, a guard to, to guard them very carefully. When this guard received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, the maximum security cell, and fastened their feet to the stocks. Can you imagine how uncomfortable that would be? About midnight, Paul and his co-worker, this is, this is Silas who replaced John Mark, they were, say it with me, praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. So let me just ask you, you have a super hard day. It, it doesn't compare to this, but you have a hard day. Let's say you lose your job. Let's say, let's say you have your cars totaled. You get some minor injuries. Let's say you get a, a prognosis, a medical prognosis. Or let's say the numbers you're responsible for at work are, are down to the left. I mean, they are not up to the right. What do you do at midnight? What's going on with you at midnight? What are you doing? Turn to your neighbor. What are you doing at midnight? You tell them what you're doing at midnight on a day like that. What are you doing? How many are like, I've overeaten and overdrinking, over overconsumed so much that night, I'm totally asleep. Anybody? <laughs> it's awful. And what are these guys doing? They're praying. And they're singing hymns to God. They're praying and they're singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. You know, people are really watching to see how you react to difficulty. It's the, it's the best testimony that you'll ever give. How you deal with difficulty. It reminds me of a classic story I shared three years ago that happened in the 90s during the, or in the 80s before the Iron Curtain fell. A Russian named Stoyan hosted a Bible study in his home. It grew to about 50. He eventually was arrested and put in a, a prison, a Russian prison, with 1,500 other inmates. And he was there for, I forget, 18 years. And every morning, Stoyan would get up, and he would, <clears throat> he would face the east, and he would sing a heart song, a hymn to God, that was audibly heard by as many inmates that were present. And that could hear him. In fact, they would all take their their um, their drinking pieces, their metal drinking dishes, and hit him against the prison cell while he was singing his heart song, his worship song every morning. He did this for over a decade, and finally, he was being um, tortured again because he was taking writing scripture on napkins and any kind of paper he could get on, so he could continue to memorize scripture. And for some reason, after he was beat for that, he was being released. He had served his term. They were releasing him. As he's being released, all 1,500 inmates were singing the heart song they heard every morning for over a decade. 
people are watching to see, prisoners are watching to see how you deal with difficulty. They want to know, do you really believe? There's something about praying and singing hymns to God that's powerful when you're going through a tough season. As a matter of fact, I was thinking, while we're worshiping Jesus, and I'm super grateful for Brian and Jared and the team here. They did a great job this morning, didn't they? It's just great. We're blessed. But as they're leading, are you praying? We've got 20 minutes to pray while we're worshiping. While, while we're singing hymns, we can pray simultaneously. Seize that moment. Pray for your kids. Pray for your marriage. Pray for your coworkers. Pray for your neighbors. Seize it. They were praying. They were, they were singing hymns to God. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Is this just coincidence? At once, all the prison doors flew open. (laughs) And everyone's chains came loose. Everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. He's up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul, remember Paul's still in ICU, he's got empathy here. He shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. Can you imagine being that concerned about a guy who just perhaps was on the team that beat the tar out of you? And he's got enough empathy and other-centeredness to say, hey, don't, don't make this a worse night than it's already been. Don't take your life. And he would take his life because that was the punishment had he let a prison, an inmate go. The jailer, he called for the lights. He rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Saul. Then he brought them out and he said this, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Evidently, he had heard the message. Evidently, he knew it was gone. What must I do to be saved? Let me just pause here. Paul is going to give you the answer that Jesus himself would tell you. What you do to be saved. Paul's going to tell you. Here it is. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and all your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And immediately, he and all his household were baptized. Boy, let me just tell you. Over the years, I've seen parents kind of hesitate to make the first move to making Jesus the Lord of their life and or being baptized. They hesitate because they don't want to go forward without their kids. And you know what I notice? they never go forward. Neither do their kids. See, like the Philippian jailer, you've got to make the first move because all it takes is one family member to make the first move towards Jesus and the whole family is set apart. One family member who decides to make Jesus Lord, to believe in Jesus Christ and to be baptized. One family member who takes that initiative, according to the Scriptures, makes the whole family set apart to God. The word is sanctified, sets them apart. Don't hesitate to take the lead like this Philippian jailer did. The jailer brought them into his house. Boy, things have changed here. Now, come on over. I don't know how they got him there. They were probably so weak. And he set a meal before them, and he was, say it with me, filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and all his household. Folks, let's not let the busyness of our culture take away our joy because we've come to know Jesus. Let's keep that joy. Let's watch less episodes of our favorite TV programs and spend more time with Jesus, more time in his word, less time just being busy. So the question I want to answer is, what is the power and practice of gratitude? And then I want to tell you how to practice it. Here it is. 
Number one, gratitude honors God. About midnight, Paul and Silas, they were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. It honors God. People want to see how you're going to react to difficulty. And let me just say, we are not called to show thanksgiving for every trauma we go through. God doesn't expect us to show gratitude when we lose a loved one, or someone dies of AIDS, or someone is in a traumatic accident. Christians grieve. We are given the freedom to grieve. We should grieve. But our grief is not like the world because we have hope. We have great hope, but it doesn't mean we don't grieve. It doesn't mean that joy could be something that we don't experience for a long time. Paul and Silas were praying and singing. One psychologist has this practice with Christians that he works with in the Placer County area, and this is what he says. To those that are struggling with depression or anxiety, he asks them this question. When you went to church this Sunday, did you sing? Did you sing? And the reason he asked the question because, is because people who sing get a rejuvenation. You get rejuvenated. Even if you've got a bad voice, it's really miraculous. They get rejuvenated. The Spirit is at work when we're worshiping. I think when we're singing here in the morning, the Holy Spirit's working through all of us. We're praying for each other. We're praying for others. You get rejuvenated. I'm excited about an opportunity coming up. It's the first time we've ever done this on May the 12th. That's next Saturday night, the night before Mother's Day. We're having a night of worship. Gratitude honors God. Secondly, gratitude sets me free. Suddenly, there's such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. What if God could release you from whatever fear or chain that seems to get you down? This violent earthquake released all the prisoners. It reminds me of a story I heard about a World War II pilot who was flying over the Atlantic from the east coast of the U.S. to uh, Europe, to England, and during his flight, mid-flight over the Atlantic, and I don't know what he was in, like a B-17 or B-24, he's up there and he can hear a gnawing. He looks down through the fuselage and he can see a rat onboarded during his, before his takeoff and the rat was gnawing on the steering, uh, the steering cord, steering wire uh, for his uh, navigation. And he couldn't do anything about it. The rat's gnawing. He couldn't get down in there and kill the rat. I know it sounds awful, but it was the rat or his life and his plane. And so he's mid-flight, and he's like, I don't know what to do. This rat is, is gnawing away at this power steering cord, this steering cord, and I'm gonna, we're going to crash into the Atlantic. What am I going to do? And he finally realizes, wait a second, rats gravitate to, alt- gravitate to low altitude. I'm going to fly high. And so he flies high, and eventually it kills the rat. And he survives. He lands in England, I think at the RAF airport, and survives because he flew at a higher altitude. Here's the deal. You practice gratitude. You stay thankful. You stay praising Jesus even during difficult seasons. You fly high, and the rats die. It's good living. You keep it hopping. And i got to tell you, I've, I've learned most of this from my wife, Melissa. She's very good at always being content with what she has and always praising God for what he's doing. It's, it's been a super model for me. Gratitude sets me free from those, those thoughts of despair, of discouragement, those thoughts of, 
um, being overly analytical. Gratitude sets me free from those. Gratitude also increases my potential for impact. The jailer, he, he woke up, he saw the prison doors open, and he was ready to take his own life. And yet, there was a moment where he saw an opportunity. Isn't it interesting? I think a lot of us are sometimes in our journey, we're, we're, we're like on the edge of making a bad decision, but a bad decision could just be a moment, you could be a moment away from a great decision. And this is what happens to him. He, he doesn't take his life. Instead, he opens himself up to a different attitude, an attitude that says, you know what, maybe there's something I don't need to do to hurt myself. Maybe there's a God who actually loves myself. Instead of viewing myself as a total failure, because I couldn't do my job, I've got someone who loves me like I am and wants to move me forward. Not just me, but my whole family. I tell you, that's my vision, is that adventurers will have a chance to continue to grow as families, strong families. Husbands and wives and children and grandchildren, all loving Jesus. And that's what he got. He, got, he had an attitude change, and it really made a difference for him. Okay, so gratitude has the ability. Gratitude has the capacity to bring honor to God, to set us free, and to increase our potential for impact. Attitude's going to affect everything you do. When you're faced with a tough season, your attitude about it is going gonna, is gonna to influence everything. Having the right attitude when you're discouraged, when you're down, you have to believe. Here it is. Here's how you do it. You have to believe that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus, that he's working on you, and he's moving you forward all the time. Got to settle with that. Okay, so how do we practice gratitude? How do we do it? So I told you what it was. Now how do we practice it? What do we do? What do we say? What are the words? Let's learn from Paul and what he said. Let's learn from him in some of the very introductory comments of all of his letters, of his, of his 12 letters. In the introduction, he always does something that's very common. He always says, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. By the way, parents, I think that's one of the best things you could ever teach your kids. Tell them to say thank you. In fact, you know, as supervisors and employees, you know when someone says thank you. I bet you remember, yeah, they just said thank you. They know that they weren't entitled to this. This was a gift. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, here's what. How do we put gratitude into practice? Number one, thank God for the faithfulness of others. Paul said, I thank God for your faithfulness. Be thankful for the faithfulness of others. I think this comes from his letter to the Philippians, the very church in the community that had him flogged. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. Hey, I want to say thank you, adventurers, for your faithfulness. I want to say, I was thinking this weekend of Dan and Marie Huggins, who helped us set up a tent next to Mike Bibby's house at Club Westlake 15 years ago. This August and September, I remember Dan was trying to help me figure out if we had enough electricity before services started. That was 15 years ago. 
He's still here. Raise your hand back there. I want them to see you. Yeah, 15 years ago. Thanks for your faithfulness. As a result of your faithfulness and others, we've seen here at Adventure, I, I, conservative numbers, I think we baptized 350 people in the last 15 years. I, I think we've, we have, we've had four workers go into full-time missionary or worship ministry. Sarah Allen, Cheyenne Ledbetter, Joshua Baker is one of the worship staff members at River City Church, River City Covenant, I think it is. And I have to tell you, Grant Matthews is killing it at Bayside Adventure. God has blessed us, and we have a lot of other young people that are growing in their faith, and God's using them at their respective campuses. But it was your faithfulness that helped make that happen. Adventure's faithfulness has made it possible for us to serve here, volunteers serve here. This week, you know what we got to do? We got to host over 100 students who, who went through their IB testing here on campus. We offered it to the school district. Guess what we charged them? We didn't. Because we feel like this is our dream was to have a church that's also a gift to our community. Your faithfulness has made that happen. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? All right. Sorry I'm putting you to sleep out there. How do we put gratitude into practice? Number one, we thank, we thank God for the faithfulness of others. Is there someone you need to go to and say, you know what? Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being faithful. And secondly, we say, I thank God for your flexibility. I thank God for your flexibility. Notice how Paul says this. Where the Spirit of the Lord is present, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know, I think that this passage coming out of Corinthians really reminds us that, yes, the plans of the heart come from man, but the answer of the tongue comes from God. We make plans, but he's the one that gives sign-off. And his sign-off is often the Spirit leading a direction that we wouldn't imagine. We go a different direction than we thought, because that's the way his Spirit's leading. And it'll be affirmed by a lot of different things. But when the Spirit's leading, there's great freedom. I mean, don't you think that sometimes marriage and family life and work doesn't go as we planned? That wasn't my plan. I had a different plan. But when the Spirit's leading, sometimes he leads in a contrary method, in a contrary direction, that's the best. I'd way more like God's plan for my life than my own. I would mess it up. Who wants God's plan this morning? Yeah, I want him to lead, just like others experienced it. And also in Isaiah, we're reminded something new with all in the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I'm doing something new with your work. You know, at Adventure, I'm not saying like entering a new season right here, right now. It's a new season. I'm not saying like it's a new football season, but kind of. We've got, I think, a couple things on our playbook that God's provided us that we're going to share with you uh, probably midsummer. A couple things, initiatives that we want to do by, by the Spirit that's leading in the next year that is super exciting. And so it would annoy you that I didn't tell you what it was. Can't wait to share it with you. I only shared that with you so it would annoy you that I didn't tell you what it was. <laughs> These are game-changing initiatives. Game-changing. That I hope you'll prayerfully consider, even not knowing what they are. I thank God for your flexibility. We had to be flexible here. Do you know how many years we set up and tore down at an elementary school? 
Let's not count years. Let's count Sundays. 655. That's flexibility. Some still have unclaimed workers' comp issues from all the work. (laughs) Thirdly, I thank God for your generosity. Paul thanked the Macedonian churches for their generosity in the midst of their own difficulty. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. We have adventurers like that. Some of them are my friends. And they've shared with me that they, they just go all in. And I, I thank God for them. The, more, the older I get, the more I realize that generosity is really about storing up treasure in heaven. I want to get to heaven. I don't want to be in a trailer. I tried to quantify this. Do you know how much money since 2003, Dan, we've given to missionaries and Natomas? Conservatively, three-quarter of a million dollars. Conservatively. Poured that into Natomas and our missionaries globally. How did we do that? Your partnership in the gospel. Isn't that awesome? It's a lot of, it's a lot of laborers. Laborers in North India. Laborers in Central Africa. Laborers in Cambodia rescuing girls. Laborers in the Caribbean, Haiti, Barbados. We got a new laborer going to Nepal, DJ West. He'll be speaking here in June, a couple Sundays in a row. Sarah Allen to Haiti. We get to support these folks. It's exciting. We've gotten to do that. And, and of course, local work we've done here with the Greenhouse, with Fishers of Men, with Family Promise, with Family Life getting to poor resources here. Isn't that awesome? Don't you think we want to be known as a church that's generous to our community? Just say yes if you're struggling to hang in there. Okay? You ever been around a kid with a big old candy bar? This is what I've noticed. Kids do about one of three things. Either if you're... Makes me want to have a kid. Come on, let's, let's, let's do them. Let's do okay. Okay. When you got a can, when kids, when when kid, when you ask for a piece of a candy bar, a kid does one of three things: either they try to stuff the whole candy bar in your mouth, which is awesome, or they break off not not a thirtieth of it, but they cut a little piece off the corner and they reach it out towards you. They give you a small piece, or they say, "Mine, don't touch my bar." Boy, I think God wants us to be generous givers. I really do, mostly because of what it does to our heart. It gets a hold of our heart in an awesome way. <clears throat> I want to give you an opportunity this summer. When you go on vacation, when you get away, and you might not be very excited about where you're going, maybe you're going to get away in a trailer like my family used to do. We used to go to San Onofre Beach. We just kind of hang out on the beach for a week. It was pretty cheap. Starbucks coffee was our biggest investment. But when you're away this summer, I want to challenge you to maintain consistent giving, keep adventure strong this summer. You can, do it, you can do it with an envelope, you can go online, or you can text to our church and keep us strong financially. We've had a, I shared a couple months ago that we were trending towards uh, our giving going down. It came up in March and April. I don't have the actual numbers yet, but I, I'll, I'll try to keep you apprised of that. But the giving's important because, honestly, this is from my heart of hearts. God has witnessed. I want to be able to take care of our missionaries and, and, our, and our local compassion for sure. But I want to take care of my staff. And it helps me do that. So as God is generous with you, be generous with him.
cup. How do we put gratitude into practice? I thank God for your vision. 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 Paul says this, we always thank God for your endurance. Oh, you got to say that with me. We always thank God for your endurance inspired by hope. Why would you endure? Because you have hope. We talked about this on Easter Sunday. First comes faith, then comes hope. Without faith in today, there's no hope for tomorrow. But when you've got hope, you're alive. You're engaged. And hope is, is, hope is what it is that helps us articulate our vision. Hope is saying the future is not written yet. Adventurer's vision, my vision is to, our vision is to bring Jesus hope to families, to students, to children, to singles, that they experience hope, great hope, that they'll bless their neighbors, that they'll begin each day with prayer that they'll listen to their neighbors, that they'll eat with their neighbors and coworkers, that they'll serve them, and that when they get a moment, they'll share their Jesus story with them. That's, I pray you do that all summer this year. You accept every barbecue invite, even if it's bad food. You accept every invite, even though it's late and you've got to get up the next morning. And we have a vision this summer. We're going to do something. We're going to try something strange this summer. Are you ready? We've never done this before. We're going to try this. It could flop. We're going to study through the Gospel of John from Mother's Day to Halloween. We're going to go deep. This is a Tom Brady deep pass. And I want to challenge you to maybe buy some complimentary books for this. Consider buying uh, D.A. Carson's um, The Gospel of John and reading it this summer. Um, or go a little deeper, it's kind of abstract, and read a little uh, Augustine on John. Go deep this summer, because we think it's time to listen to the national and international news less, and spend more time focusing on the good news for a change, and let it impact your life. Next week, we begin that series. We're still going to honor mothers but we're going to be in John. So how do we put gratitude in, into practice? Well, we, we, we express thanks for the faithfulness of others. And maybe there's someone you need to go to and say, hey, thanks for your faithfulness. Thanks for staying the course. We thank God for the flexibility of others. Thanks for being flexible. Maybe you need to say this to an employee this week. We thank God for the generosity of others. And I thank you for your generosity. It's amazing. It really is. It's amazing. That you trust God with what's dearest to our heart, your resources, and you say, they're not mine. They're a gift from you. I trust you with them. And then finally, thank God for your vision. We've got a lot of people here with vision. And our vision is to see that families enjoy the good life of hope. Good life. And I realize that comes sometimes during very difficult times. I don't share all the difficult times we've been through because sometimes it's too much information. But you get through them, and it keeps getting better and better. It really does. All right, so how about you guys? How you doing on the gratitude quotient? You grateful? You, you, you got gratitude or you got discontentment? You got gratitude or do you got covetousness? How are you doing on the generous piece? You feeling generous or are you feeling like 
don't, don't touch this. Where are you at? I want to pray for you this morning. <coughs> Let's bow our heads. Father, I know families are going through tough prison cell experiences right now. Families are facing their own mortality, and other families are just enjoying the good life. There's not a lot of trauma, not a lot of stress. And I just ask that you remind us that every good and perfect gift comes from you. It's all from you. And we don't blame you for the tragedies. Um, We look to you for hope. Our eyes are on you for direction. If you're here today and gratitude is something that you really struggle with, I just want to ask you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Anybody? Just gratitude is tough. You're pretty discontent most of the time. Things could be so much better. Anyone here need prayer for that? I want to pray for you. Anyone? Okay. All right, ma'am. Anybody else? Okay. And uh, Father, I just pray that you'll be with the young lady, that you'll help her find great contentment in Jesus and what he's given her. Help her see all the gifts. And if you're here today and you've never made a decision to believe in Jesus and to make him Lord, bringing joy to your household, you've never done that. You want to today. Simply to say, Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. You were raised from the dead. You want to give us eternal life. I'm ready to believe that today. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Anyone saying, yeah, I want to do that today. Today's my day. Father, thank you for this challenge to be thankful, to be generous, to have a great attitude. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.